Welcome to the Panine Halacha podcast. Zmanim, Chapter 4, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, as well as Yom Yerushalayim and Yom HaZikaron. Section 1, The Mitzvah of Settling the Land of Israel. When the state of Israel was established on the 5th of Iyar, 5708, the Jewish people as a whole were privileged to fulfill the mitzvah of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, settling the land of Israel. Even before the declaration of statehood, every Jew who lived in the land fulfilled this mitzvah. The sages even said, A person should always dwell in Eretz Yisrael, even in a city inhabited mostly by heathens, and he should not dwell outside the land, even in a city inhabited mostly by Jews. For anyone who dwells in Eretz Yisrael is like one who has a god, and anyone who dwells outside the land is like, is like one who has no god. This comes from the Talmud in Ksuvis 110b. Nonetheless, the mitzvah is mainly incumbent upon Klal Yisrael, the entire Jewish community as a whole, in the form of taking control of the land of Israel. The mitzvah to dwell in the land, which applies to every individual Jew, is an offshoot of the general mitzvah that is incumbent upon Klal Yisrael as a whole to take control of the land of Israel. This is the meaning of the verse, You shall possess the land and dwell in it, for to you have I given the land to possess it, from Bamidbar, the 33rd chapter. You shall possess denotes conquest and sovereignty, while you shall dwell implies settling the land so that it not remain desolate. Similarly, the Torah states, You shall possess it, and you shall dwell therein, from Devarim, the 11th chapter. Accordingly, the Ramban defines the mitzvah as follows, quote, we were commanded to take possession of the land that God, may he be blessed, gave to our forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and we must not leave it in the hands of any other nation or let it remain desolate. This mitzvah is incumbent upon the Jewish people in every generation. For a long time, however, we lacked the means by which to fulfill it. We were forced to neglect it because we did not have an army or weapons with which to conquer and settle the land. A few generations ago, God showed kindness to his nation, and a spirit of nationalism began to stir, causing Jews to go forth and to gather in the land. They planted trees, developed the country's economy, established an organized defense force, and struggled against the foreign power that controlled the land, so that when the British mandate expired, the Jews in Israel were able to declare the establishment of Medina Israel, the state of Israel. On that day, the Jewish people began fulfilling the mitzvah of Yishuv Haaretz, settling the land of Israel. Granted, we are not yet in control of the entire land, and we are partially dependent on the nations of the world, but we are actually fulfilling, once again, the mitzvah of Yishuv Haaretz. We find in Halacha as well that Jewish sovereignty over the land is a significant factor. For the laws of mourning over Eretz Yisrael's destruction depends on sovereignty. Our sages prescribed that one who sees the cities of Judea in ruins should say the following verse, Your holy cities have become a wilderness, from the 64th chapter of Yeshayahu, and should then tear his garments. The postgame explain that the definition of in ruins depends on who is in control. 
If Gentiles rule the land, its cities are considered ruined, even if most of the inhabitants are Jewish, and one must tear his garment upon seeing them. But if the Jews are in control, the cities are not considered ruined, even if Gentiles constitute the majority, and therefore no tearing would be required. These sources can be found in the Beis Yosef and the Bach, as well as the Magen Avraham and the Mishnah Brura. In addition, Chazal lavished praise upon the mitzvah of Yishuv Aretz, of settling the land, going so far as to say that it is equal to all the other mitzvahs of the Torah. To summarize, there is a mitzvah in the Torah to settle the land of Israel. This mitzvah is known as Yishuv Haaretz. This mitzvah primarily falls upon the Jewish people collectively, commanding us to be in political control of the land and to build it and develop it. As an offshoot of this collective national mitzvah, individual Jews are commanded to live in the land of Israel. During the exile, some fortunate Jews were able to fulfill the individual mitzvah by living in the land of Israel. But for thousands of years, we were unable to do any work as a nation to regain sovereignty and to thus fulfill the primary collective form of this mitzvah. But on the 5th of Iyar, Tavshin Chet, that is May 14th, 1948 in the secular calendar, when independence was declared by the state of Israel, we entered a new chapter in our Torah observance, and we could again fulfill the mitzvah of taking control of and developing the land of Israel as a nation. That mitzvah is still ongoing, but it began again in earnest on Yom Ha'atzmaut, the day the state was declared. Overall, this mitzvah is so important that the sages say it is equal to all the other mitzvot of the Torah together. This mitzvah is not the only place where the concept of Jewish sovereignty is halachically meaningful. In the rules of tearing one's garment when seeing the destroyed cities of Israel, many poskim rule that as soon as Jewish people have sovereignty over those cities, they are no longer considered destroyed. Four notes on this section from me. First, a deep dive into whether there really is a mitzvah of Yishuv Aretz, of settling the land of Israel. Second, an explication of just how important this mitzvah seems to be. Third, an analysis of the term sovereignty in this section. And finally, I'm going to share some reflections on why the Penine Halacha is talking about Yishuv Aretz settling the land at all in this section. First, it's actually not so obvious that there is a mitzvah of Yishuv Aretz, of settling the land of Israel. The main source that the Penine Halacha quotes is the Ramban, Nachmanides, who writes at length about this mitzvah, but only as a response to the Rambam, Maimonides, who chose not to list it as one of his 613 mitzvahs. Additionally, Tosfos in Ksuvis cites the view of Rabbeinu Chaim that the mitzvah, quote, does not apply today. The Penine Halacha addresses these dissenting views in the footnotes. Rabbeinu Chaim's view, he tells us, was rejected by many Rishonim and Achronim, medieval and modern authorities. Indeed, some of these authorities went so far as to suggest that the entire Rabbeinu Chaim idea is just a typo. Indeed, the mainstream view that there actually is a mitzvah to settle the land has strong support from the following halacha in divorce law. A husband and a wife can each force the other to move to the land of Israel, and if either refuses, it's grounds for divorce. 
This halacha appears in the Talmud, and it is codified by the Shulchan Arach. Even so, in my humble opinion, it is still worth noting that the Rabbeinu Chaim idea, that there is no mitzvah today to settle the land of Israel, is a voice on record in the halachic tradition. What about the Rambam, Maimonides, who doesn't list settling the land of Israel as one of the 613 mitzvahs? This is particularly odd, as the Rambam does write in the Mishnah Torah about the importance of living in the land, and he concurs that refusing to move to Israel is a grounds for divorce. It is possible to suggest that despite these statements, the Rambam still simply thinks that there isn't an actual mitzvah of settling the land, but the Panini Halacha doesn't recognize this approach. Some suggest that the Rambam believes that there is only a mitzvah de Rabbanon, a rabbinic mitzvah, to settle the land today. Thus, he can make those positive statements about living in Israel, but not count it as one of the 613 Torah mitzvahs. The Panini Halacha brings strong arguments against this reading as well. Instead, the Panini Halacha notes that the Rambam himself says explicitly that he doesn't count mitzvahs that encompass the entire Torah. For example, when the Torah commands us, to follow God's laws, that isn't a normal mitzvah, but a meta-mitzvah. It's a mitzvah telling us to follow all the mitzvahs. The Rambam writes that his list of 613 are limited to first-level commandments, not to this kind of meta-commandment. The Pnine Halacha adopts the view that this can explain the Rambam's approach to the mitzvah of Yishuv Haaretz, of settling the land of Israel. Yishuv Haaretz is so foundational, it is so important, it is the basis for so many other mitzvahs, and arguably for the entire vision and plan of Judaism itself, that it can't be listed as just a mere mitzvah. It is instead a meta-mitzvah. So, is there actually a mitzvah to settle the land? Many Rishonim say, of course, but you can find Rishonim who say no, and the Rambam himself, at first glance, also appears to say no. On the other hand, the Rambam's view is complicated, and maybe he isn't saying no. Maybe he is shouting yes. Second, the Pnine Halacha ends this section with a statement from the Talmud that the mitzvah of Yishuv Haaretz is equal to all the other mitzvahs of the Torah combined. In the footnotes, he comments that Chazal makes such statements about many mitzvahs, including bris milah, circumcision, giving charity, wearing tzitzis, laying tefillin, observing and celebrating Shabbos, studying Torah, and performing acts of kindness. But the Panine Halacha takes pains to show how the status of settling the land is still of uniquely high rank. Because of all these important mitzvahs, Yishuv Haaretz is the only one for which the rabbis explicitly state that one can violate a rabbinic ordinance of Shabbos in order to perform it. Specifically, one can buy land from a non-Jew in Israel on Shabbos. Whoa! even if it will violate rabbinic Shabbos prohibitions. Now, we don't allow one to violate these rabbinic prohibitions in the case of a circumcision, even if that means delaying the bris until after Shabbos. And we don't blow shofar or shake lulav on Shabbos out of concern of Shabbos violation. But when it comes to the mitzvah of settling the land of Israel and purchasing property for Jewish possession, the land of Israel, we suddenly reverse course, and we explicitly permit some Shabbos violation for it. Additionally, 
The Pnine Halacha notes that for most mitzvahs, one need not give up their life in order to fulfill them. But to the extent that the Torah commands us to conquer the land of Israel, it implies an army of soldiers actively putting themselves in harm's way for the sake of this mitzvah. That would never be the case for most other mitzvahs, even many important ones. Third, the Panini Halacha stresses the role of sovereignty in fulfilling this mitzvah. He states that it's not just that, in, that Jewish individuals need to live in Israel, or even that the nation as a whole needs to live in Israel, but that the nation needs to have collective, organized political power over the land of Israel. But this halachic claim about the importance of sovereignty isn't so obvious. In fact, the technical Hebrew word for sovereignty, which the Penina Halacha uses throughout this section, ribonut, is a modern term, and it doesn't appear in any halachic works until the 1900s. Of course, the basic concept of sovereignty does exist, and it has for millennia, and a straight reading of the Torah and of Tanakh in general is that Jewish control of the land as a collective political entity is pretty important. And when the Ramban describes the nature of this mitzvah, he does use terms like to inherit and to possess and to conquer, which all seem to suggest that the mitzvah requires us to have what we today would call sovereignty. However, looking at the halachic texts themselves, it is possible to say that the mitzvah of settling the land is merely about Jewish people dwelling in the land, and that to inherit or possess or even conquer are but means to reach the end of the actual mitzvah, just living there. In this reading, if we could live in the land of Israel under non-Jewish sovereignty or under mixed sovereignty, that too would fulfill the mitzvah. But the Panini Halacha does not take this line. In the footnotes, he cites a number of, of Achronim, the Yeshuas Malko, the Avne Nazar, and one can find others as well, who all clarify that sovereignty has an important role in this mitzvah. And in the body of this section, the Panini Halacha took pains to show that sovereignty isn't a completely brand new concept, but that it's relevant in other areas of Halacha. For one, the laws of tearing one's garment upon seeing a destroyed city in Israel. It's clear why the issue of sovereignty is so important to the Panini Halacha in our context here of Yom Ha'atzma'ut. If the mitzvah of settling the land is technically only about dwelling in that place and not about having political independence in Israel, then Yom Ha'atzma'ut, while still important for promoting the Aliyah of Jews to Israel, does lose quite a bit of its inherent value. I think it's safe to say that the Pnine Halacha represents the mainstream halachic literature on this. That is, you're going to be hard-pressed to find authorities who say that the mitzvah is solely about living in and not at all about some kind of political sovereignty. But only in the footnotes can you come to see just how complicated this question is. And it doesn't take a genius historian to guess why only in the last century or so, halachic literature began speaking explicitly about the exact role of sovereignty, and why only in the last century did the Jewish people come up with a word for sovereignty. If Eskimos have 100 words for snow, they might only have one word to describe a warm, sunny day. Jewish people, as the joke goes, have 100 words for pain in the neck. Only recently, though, did we get around to coming up with a word for political sovereignty. 
Finally, I want to step back and reflect on how brilliant it is that the Penine Halacha opens this section on Yom Ha'atzma'ut with a discussion of the mitzvah of Yishu Aretz. I, for one, would expect him to open up with history, a story of Jewish exile and then return, or a story of Holocaust suffering followed by national renewal, or even a story of, we fought a war of independence, they tried to kill us, and we won. But the Pnini Halacha doesn't open with history or with a story at all. He opens up with Halacha. Because, after all, one can debate the history. What precisely is the role of the state of Israel in Jewish history? Where on the path of redemption does the state fit in? And within that story, how exactly does this specific day, May 14, 1948, or Hey Iyar, Tafshin Chet, fit in? Didn't that day launch a bloody war? And after all, that's not the day we actually won, it's the day that the war started. And this debate is open to all Jewish thinkers and participants. Some will agree with the religious Zionist perspective, and some will disagree, and many will question the precise historical meaning of the day. But the Panini Halacha doesn't open the conversation with history. He goes above it. He opens with a mitzvah. If you think that there's a mitzvah to settle the land, which is the mainstream view in the halachic sources, then whatever you think about Zionism or secular Jews or history or narrative, can't you at least agree that Yom Ha'atzma'ut is a big moment in the fulfillment of that mitzvah? Or to put it differently, don't think of Yom Ha'atzma'ut as a secular, historical achievement. Think of it as a Torah achievement. What kind of Torah observant Jew wouldn't want to celebrate that? As I mentioned in the podcast introduction to this chapter, on most topics, the Panini Halacha has one job, teach us the Halacha on the topic. But in this chapter, he has two, teach the Halacha on the topic and convince us that there even is a Halacha on the topic. Framing Yom Ha'atzmut not as a day in political history, but a day in Halachic history is a brilliant invitation towards seeing that these days do matter and do deserve a place in Halacha. It almost suggests that if you don't agree with the Panine Halacha about the nature of these days, your issue isn't with Zionism or with secular Jews. Your issue is with Torah and mitzvahs. To summarize my notes. Number one, the mainstream view is that there is a mitzvah of Yishu Aretz of settling the land of Israel. But you can find at least one Rishon who disagrees, and the Rambam, Maimonides, doesn't list it as one of the 613 mitzvahs. The Panini Halacha takes the approach that the Rambam doesn't list it as one of the 613, not because it's less important, but because it's so important and so foundational that it's actually a kind of meta-mitzvah. Number two, although several mitzvahs are described by Chazal as Keneged Kulam, as being as valuable as the entire Torah, this mitzvah, settling the land, does seem to be even more valuable. For the sake of settling the land, one is permitted to violate particular rabbinic laws and to even buy a home in Israel in the middle of Shabbos. Number three, the Panine Halacha is explicit that political sovereignty over the land is an essential part of fulfilling this mitzvah. That isn't perfectly obvious in the halakhic sources, but it's pretty easy to find it once you start looking for it, and multiple halakhic authorities of the 1800s and the 1900s have stressed and ruled that that is, in fact, the case. Four, 
Finally, it's fascinating and brilliant that the Penine Lacha frames this chapter on Yom Ha'atzmaut with an opening discussion of a mitzvah. Instead of beginning with the day's historical, military, or political significance, he opens with its mitzvah significance. Yom Ha'atzmaut was the day that we were finally able to all do an essential mitzvah together. A mitzvah so important that it is considered equal to all the other mitzvahs put together. Wouldn't you celebrate and commemorate such a day? The Panine Halacha podcast provides English audio of Panine Halacha, an exceptional work of halacha by Rav Eliezer Malamed Shlita. The English translation was overseen by Ellie Fisher and Corin Publishers. These texts are available for free online, and beautiful printed volumes are available for purchase. The summaries and reflections are from me, Ben Greenfield, rabbi of the Greenpoint Shul in New York City. I occasionally make subtle changes to the original translation, often for clarity, sometimes by mistake.